I think it's about like four lanes on that section. You're listening to Very Bad Words. I'm Matt Fiddler, and this is Billy. There's a car in front of me who's going kind of slow. I could have got around Are him. you on the freeway? Yeah, I was on 101 going south in San Jose. Even though there were four lanes to choose from and the guy in front of him was going pretty slow, Billy's exit was coming up pretty soon, so he saw no reason to do a risky maneuver to pass this guy. Yeah, plus I have a baby in the car, so... So Billy just stayed behind this guy going kind of slow, waiting patiently to get to his exit. I noticed some guys, um, like, tailgating me, and it's like, whatever, um, people are pretty aggressive here in the Bay Area, or maybe most major cities. And then after a while, I noticed he pulls into the left lane and uh, passes both of us. And Billy thought, cool, this guy's just going to zoom along past us. After all, there were three other lanes to choose from, and the traffic wasn't that heavy. He could have just fucking stepped on it and passed off all of us. But instead of continuing past both of them and being on his merry way, he passes the two slower-moving cars. And then he cuts back like practically like right in front of the guy when there's like maybe like 10 car lengths like free where he could have just kept going but I see his uh, brake lights as he slowed down I'm like you stupid asshole (laughs) I think this is a clear example of someone being a purposeful asshole not just an aggressive driver but a real asshole I guess I guess he wanted to like cut the guy off and just be an asshole to him because the guy was inconveniencing him by not driving as fast as the guy would like. <laughs> There's just something about driving that makes people feel it's okay to be an asshole. Like here in the Bay Area, the mentality is that every car in front of you is just an asshole in your way. But usually assholes don't seem to recognize that they're being assholes. This guy probably thought he was responding in kind to those two inconsiderate drivers, going too slow, being assholes themselves. Just like what happened to Billy's uncle on the New Jersey Turnpike when driving to the airport one day. He was in the far right lane, and there's a lane to get off of the exit, and some guy was driving in that exit lane until like the very last minute and tried to cut over and clearly being an asshole but billy's uncle didn't want to let him get away with it so he just pulled up in front of the car in front of him just to not let the guy in which i'm sorry is also an asshole move in my opinion and the guy got pissed off and ended up uh driving in the shoulder and threw a cup of coffee at my uncle's car This might be why we tend to swear the most creatively in the car. I think uh, cunt knob was a uh, string of words I put together the other day. I was like, oh, I don't think I've said that before. But But of all swear words, nothing feels as satisfying and accurate as calling that inconsiderate driver an asshole. So in this episode of Very Bad Words, part of the criteria for being an asshole is that you you should know better, but you don't. We talk assholes.
Welcome back to Very Bad Words. I'm Matt Fiddler. And today we're talking about assholes with renowned asshole expert Jeff Nunberg. I'm a linguist. I teach at the UC Berkeley School of Information. And I've worked for a long time on language, its political and, and cultural implications. Uh, in 2012, uh, I published a book called Ascent of the A-Word, Assholism, the First 50 Years. Meaning this word is relatively new, or at least the use of it as an insult is pretty new. And that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about the literal definition of asshole, where feces exits the body. We're talking about the more common usage of asshole, which is completely figurative. And we use it this way way more often. And what we do is we take these words that have an intrinsically vulgar meanings for anatomical or, or scatological uh, uh, things and transfer them to just to social judgments that in their nature have nothing anatomical or sociological about them. So, you know, when you call somebody an asshole, you're really not uh, referring to, uh, to, to an anus in any direct sense. Though, to be sure, when you go from one language to the next, though they'll use different body parts or different things to, to relay that concept, it's always something uh, small and despicable, or at, at least uh, held to be despicable. In English, it's, uh, it's uh, an asshole. In, uh, in Italian, it's a stronzo, which is a turd. In uh, Mexican Spanish, it's a pendejo or, or a pubic hair. So it's always something small uh, and in some sense uh, detestable. And yes, English-speaking Americans also use a lot of different vulgar terms for that despicable person that we often call an asshole. Words like dick, prick, cock, fuckhead, etc. But those words just aren't as descriptive as asshole. Trey Parker and Matt Stone put it nicely in their movie, Team America, World Police. See, there's three kinds of people. Dicks, pussies, and assholes. Pussies think everyone can get along, and dicks just want to fuck all the time without thinking it through. But then you got your assholes, Chuck. And all the assholes want us to shit all over everything. And as satisfying as this definition of asshole is... A person who shits all over everything? It's still a pretty new concept. I mean, about 50 or 60 years old, according to Jeff Nunberg. And we know people acted like assholes before we started calling people assholes. So I asked Jeff, what did we call that type of person before? There were a lot of words that covered this territory. Somebody might be a jerk, a cad, a buffoon, any number of things. They mostly weren't vulgar words. It's, it's really only in the 20th century we start using the, the, the vulgar names for parts of the body and scatological notions to refer to these things. So where there were all kinds of antecedents for us, so like, like Holden Caulfield's phony. Uh, phony wasn't itself a, a vulgar word. It was a slang one. It isn't until the really the middle of the 20th century that we come fully to adopt this vulgar vocabulary to describe all these types, the asshole, the douchebag, the dick. Or just terms like pissed off and uh, fuck off and, and so on. All of that language uh, is a 20th century invention. So seemingly overnight, a new vulgar expression becomes popular and widespread. How does this happen so fast? Now, if you've listened to the episode on the F word, this next part shouldn't be a great surprise. It spread around during World War II. During the Second World War, it, it first appeared. It, its uh, first literary use, I think, is in Norman Mailer's The Naked and the Dead, which is, what, 1946, 1947. And it was a word used by uh, enlisted men to refer to their superiors. And today, it's in the Oxford English Dictionary as, well, one, a person's anus, but two, which is the one we're talking about, 
a stupid, irritating, or contemptible person. And according to the online etymology dictionary, it first started to mean a contemptible person in the 1930s. But it was World War II when this more modern, widely accepted version of asshole got its wings. A definition that I think is more accurate is defined in the Urban Dictionary. And to save you time from looking it up, here's what it says. Well, there are several definitions, really. But the number one definition of asshole in the Urban Dictionary is your boss. And if you were fighting in World War II, that was your commanding officer. Uh, General Patton was often referred to by his men as an asshole. It remains in, in use throughout that period, but it really doesn't enter the general American lexicon until the late 1960s, early 1970s. It's uh, Dirty Harry movies. It's um, in political discourse, people are calling Nixon an asshole. Men are all assholes is a, is a 70s uh, construction. Est and the human potential movement uh, begin to use asshole in a particular way. All of a sudden, it, it, it's all over the place where it has been uh, just a modest uh, vulgarism up till then used by men in certain situations, but not very widely used until then. Uh, so it moves in and, and takes over uh, a certain space, dislodging other concepts and becomes, as I say, uh, our primary uh, reproach for a certain kind of obtuse arrogance. And even though it seems so obvious to us what asshole means, that wasn't always the case. I did find examples in the 1940s of people using the word as if it meant something like a nerd. So it wasn't immediately clear that an asshole was the sort of person we now think of as an asshole. But I think that by the 1960s, that was, uh, that was clear. But I still wanted to see what other people thought assholes were. So one day, I went out to the Union Square Market in New York City to ask about this thing while not trying to be one. Trying to find friendly faces who might be willing to talk about asshole. Excuse me, sir. I'm asking people about the, uh, the A-word as an a-hole. I don't... I'm asking, excuse me, I'm asking people from my podcast about the word a-hole. Excuse me, sir, would you be willing to talk about the word a-hole? I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, would you be able to define the word asshole to me? I'm not interested in people that use that word. This is not going to be easy, ladies and gentlemen. Aggressive, like being aggressive, not being an asshole by aggressively asking for tips. Uh, the asshole just like pushes through and gets the one seat that's there. I refuse to think anything else but the fact that you're an asshole. An asshole, doesn't care about anybody else. Arrogant, condescending, doesn't give a crap about shit. Yeah, no, assholes shit on everything. Oh, maybe it takes not a one to no one. Maybe we are all assholes at some times, you know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. All of us some, sometimes assholes. Am I an asshole just for approaching you an asshole? I was just that? thinking that you were going to be an asshole just because you came oh up. God, he's going to be an asshole. <laughs> There's just something so satisfying about calling out an asshole. But Jeff warns, sometimes in doing so, you're becoming the asshole yourself. I have a chapter that I uh, entitled Mind Your Manners, Asshole. And at the beginning of that chapter, I just pulled down all the instances in literature and film where people produce that sentence or something like it. And in a sense, saying to somebody, mind your manners, asshole, is a self-contradictory remark. It's like saying, watch your language, fuckwad. That is to say, to call somebody a, a, an asshole is an unmannerly thing to do. Uh, and to reproach somebody for bad manners and then call them an asshole is, in, in a sense, to undermine that, but in a very strategic way. And it's the case that the asshole, as a type, 
generates uh, what I think of as the anti-asshole, the person who denounces an asshole, but in so doing assumes a certain assholeism him or herself. And that's that's a very important principle. I mean, it's uh, Dirty Harry is one kind of anti-asshole. So are the people on uh, the, the hosts on Fox, who, while they don't use the word, are always uh, describing people in, in terms that suggest that they're assholes, but in so doing make assholes of themselves. But despite our love of calling them out, they seem to have a huge draw. In Jeff's book, Ascent of the A-Word, he comments on the popularity of famed assholes Charlie Sheen, Simon Cowell, Rush Limbaugh, Anthony Weiner, Derek Jeter, and yes, even Donald Trump. Trump is fascinating just because of his the spiricalness of, of his ass. He's an asshole from whatever way you, 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 you look at him. Uh, and uh, his success in a certain sense in politics derives from his being an asshole. When you look at what people were saying about him uh, when he first appeared on the political scene, they say, yeah, he's an asshole, but that's what America needs is an asshole. He was going to stick it to uh, Obama and the Clintons and so on. And you need somebody who can be an asshole because the other side are assholes and, and, and that's what they deserve. And that's where this, this politics of assholism and anti-assholism gets going. Anti-assholism is just what it sounds like. It's okay to be an asshole. Actually, it's not just okay, but it's a good thing to be an asshole if it's to another asshole. Okay, so originally I conducted this interview with Jeff over the internet, but was able to follow up with him more recently in person in his home in San Francisco because I wanted to ask if you thought those groups of protesters that wear all black and call themselves Antifa are assholes, even though they are fighting really terrible people. Oh, they're assholes. I mean, they're, 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 you know, there are assholes, but they're assholes. I mean, they take, if you watch them uh, haranguing and harassing the, uh, the, the, the few people who showed up for the free speech uh, rally. They were just taking a, 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 an enormous uh, plan. This guy was crying and he lost his glass. He didn't know what the hell he was doing there and so on. And uh, these people are haranguing him and so on. And you think, oh, these, these people are assholes. Um, they're breaking the, um, uh, doing all that damage at Berkeley was an asshole thing to do. You had a, a peaceful demonstration of maybe 1,500 students. And then a bunch of the Antifas come from, uh, from Oakland uh, decide to uh, to uh, rush the gate and break windows and so on and so forth, and without considering what the consequences for the event uh, or the perception are going to be. What I find almost equally repellent is the intellectuals and academics who justify or excuse this sort of thing. There are a few of them at Berkeley. I see I see their contributions to a, a list I'm on, and somebody says, you know, we have to defend democracy by all means necessary. And I'm thinking, well, no, you know, if it's democracy, the whole point of democracy is you don't do things by all means necessary. Uh, if, if, if you're doing things by all means necessary, it's not democracy anymore. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to talk about how being an asshole became a good thing for politicians. Stay with us. Welcome back to Very Bad Words. I'm Matt Fiddler. Today we're talking assholes with asshole expert Jeff Nunberg. So back before Donald Trump was in politics, during the second Bush administration, politicians didn't openly act like assholes. But that didn't mean they wouldn't use the word if they didn't think the mic was on. We are a country of assholes. 
Well, there, there's a famous instance where um, George Bush, during the uh, 2000 presidential campaign, at a Labor Day rally, uh, he thought the mic was at one of these hot mic stores. He thought the mic was was off, and he used it. And he turned to um, Dick Cheney and uh, was referring to Adam Clymer of the New York Times and uh, referred to him as a major league asshole. Uh, that was picked up on the mic, and it got a lot of attention. Uh, people on the on the right were saying it showed what a what a what a what a tough, uh, no nonsense, uh, unpretentious, uh, 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 regular guy Bush was. So instead of shaming Bush for being caught saying this, like what might have happened a decade earlier with George Bush Sr. or Bill Clinton, he was actually praised for it by his own constituency. Perhaps this was the start of politicians capitalizing on the word, entering us into the age of assholism. And many people were totally fine with this. Assholes have a certain allure. Uh, they're, they come in different varieties. I mean, there's a fast part of the fascination with, with Steve Jobs. Uh, comes not simply from his genius, but his nastiness or his uh, capacity for being an asshole to the to the people who work work with him. I, I know somebody who was uh, high up at Apple and finally quit his job. He said because he got tired of wiping Steve Jobs' spittle off his his glasses. Um, and a lot of people admire that sort of asshole because there's this widely held belief that assholes can get stuff done better than their nicer counterparts because they don't worry about hurting people's feelings or being PC or unpopular. They just do what they need to do, you know? A man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. Assholes are the doers in society. To make an omelet, you gotta break some eggs. Well, it's it's a story that uh, a lot of people like to believe. Now, certainly, uh, the CEOs who are assholes uh, tend to get a a lion's share of, of the attention. But if you look at the uh, most successful CEOs, not the most best known CEOs, because they tend to be on the asshole side, but the most successful CEOs, they're not that style at all. They can be tough. There's um, a book by a a Stanford professor of management, Robert Sutton, Bob Sutton, called The No Asshole Rule, in which he argues that avoiding assholes, whatever their other uh, capacities and virtues, should be a a primary principle of uh, effective management. He just says it doesn't work. Having an asshole almost always creates more problems than it's worth. So this this idea of the general patent type is more of a myth, my understanding is, than a reality in, in, in the business world. And then on the opposite side of that same coin, the pompous liberal asshole, who also thinks of his assholism as working in everybody's best interest, but probably really isn't. I, if I can quote what I what I wrote in the uh, the 2012 book, you you can't live in San Francisco and teach in Berkeley, as I do, without being impressed by the myriad forms of assholism that bourgeois liberals nourish, the pretension and superiority, the preciosity. Berkeley's always been a place where people believe that consenting adults should be allowed to do whatever they like in the privacy of their bedroom, so long as they don't try to smoke afterwards. And I go on to say that. Uh, the dynamic of asshole and anti-asshole is politically neutral. It, it takes different forms, but it's present in, in all points on, on, on the political spectrum. And you're seeing a fair amount of it now in, in response to the, uh, the Trump election. Uh, as awful as a lot of people, including myself, consider it, um, the reaction on the part of a lot of Berkeley people is a kind of assholeism. So uh, uh, it, it's a universal trait in, in, in that sense. It's not as if um, being conservative or liberal exempts you from it. Jeff knows this firsthand because he lives in San Francisco. But lately, the liberal assholes are not the ones bothering him. It's the new, over-entitled tech assholes. 
there was an incident a couple of years ago where the CEO of a fairly successful company wrote a piece uh, on, on the web and he vilified the, the dropouts and trash and degenerates all wandering around the downtown streets. And they don't realize, he said, they don't realize that it's a privilege to be in a civilized business district uh, in one of the wealthiest cities of America. Now, Jeff says this guy is an asshole because downtown San Francisco has a long history of having a diverse cross-section of people live there. And then just a few years ago, a bunch of tech companies, they move in and they act like no one worthwhile was there before them. They put a bunch of companies downtown in an effort to um, revive that neighborhood, uh, Twitter, Dropbox, so on, a lot of smaller companies. And that's an area that has a, a mix of people. There are homeless, there are transvestites, there are the down and out, uh, and then there are all these young techies who um, who occasionally leave the, the, the office, although the, the point of these offices is to bring in lunch and all the services they never have to leave. And they come out on the streets and they see all these people and they either get it that they are privileged and, and appreciate that or feel that these people are somehow obtruding on their streets um, in one of the wealthiest cities in America, as this guy said. So um, there's a form of assholism that's endemic to the tech world, I think. So is it is it the industry that affects the person and makes them an asshole because they're overpaid, they're overglorified? Or is it the asshole that gets into the tech industry? I think there are a couple of things. There, there is certainly the amount of money uh, that you can make. And, and make while you're still young. Uh, you don't have this idea of working for a corporation for 30 years and finally cashing in. You know, you, you, you expect to have uh, a couple of million dollars while you're still on your parents' health insurance. Um, so there's that sense of entitlement. And there's also a kind of obtuseness or mid-spectrum cluelessness that's characteristic of engineers who are of the opinion that um, their uh, logico-mathematical abilities, which have taken them very far in, in, in the world, um, are pretty much the only instantiation of, of intelligence. So you get this guy, Google, for example, um, who's you know second-year programmer, a couple of years out of a, a, a science program at Harvard, and decides that he can write a memo and explain to this corporation uh, why sex differences are as they are and why the company should revise its policies and so on and so forth. And it's the sheer presumption of that that makes him an asshole. I mean, would, would, would you not think that maybe things are more complicated than, than uh, you make them out to be? And this, is, this desire to reduce everything to simple logical problems and then solve logical problems, which, which is how the tech people manage to create all the things they do. But uh, it necessarily occludes... Uh, all of these other things in, in the world that make life complicated, difficult, and interesting. And this is why they're entitled. They only see the benefits of what their little segment of society is doing. The HBO show Silicon Valley hits this nail directly on the head. Hooli isn't just another high-tech company. Hooli isn't just about software. Hooli, Hooli is about people. Hooli is about innovative technology that makes a difference transforming the world as we know it, making the world a better place through minimal message-oriented transport layers. I mean, what, one of the interesting things that, that Silicon Valley does a wonderful job parroting this is always this idea that what I'm doing in the tech world, unlike the world of, um, of construction, industrial real estate, uh, whatever, that what I'm doing, even if I'm just building a, a, uh, an iPhone app, is going to make the world a better place. That somehow the, the sheer existence of this technology will uh, determine uh, a, 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 a new future in which uh, the human race will be better off. 
Which brings us to that other kind of asshole, the one who is so convinced they are doing the right thing because of a certain set of principles that they can't even see that they are being this more kind of passive asshole. This is the situation where you're driving on the highway. Uh, the speed limit is is 55. Everybody's going 63 to 68. It's heavy traffic. The guy in front of you, the woman in front of you, is going 55 or 54 and saying, hey, I'm under the speed limit uh, to, to him or herself, knowing full well that everybody else is going to get angry and taking a kind of satisfaction and think, well, I'm following the rules and all these jerks are, are going too fast, so it's their problem. That's passive assholeism. Again, it's, a, it's, it's an obtuse refusal to consider the moral consequences of your actions. You're engendering this irritation and indignation in everybody around you and you say, well, I'm doing the right thing, so it's their problem. That's assholeism, and it's assholeism of, of a particular passive sort. It's the kind of assholeism uh, that you often encounter, uh, almost invariably encounter when you go to the DMV for anything. Right. There's a kind of, well, no, I'm sorry, you'll have to go to line, but I just went to line 19. No, you'll have to go back to line 19 with the satisfaction of knowing that they're following the rules and also that the quiet satisfaction they're taking in your indignation and irritation at them. When Jeff wrote about assholism, it was about pretty small things. Employees at the DMV, political commentators and pundits, loudmouth celebrities. But that was way back in a different time, in the year 2011. But now it's 2017, and things have changed. I mean, now we've got assholeism at, at a much higher and more potent level uh, than ever before. Not simply in the, in the fact that a lot of these people are assholes, they always have been, but uh, that they're standing at the center of power. And they're looking out with this contempt that assholes feel toward the rest of the world. And it's going to be a, a dire period in the history of assholism. I, I wrote my book, I think, four years too soon. <laughs> I, I should have written it now. Despite this prophecy of increased assholism in the coming years, Jeff wanted us to know that we can fight back against assholism. I think on, on the one hand, there's a way in which Ignoring the asshole rather than responding in kind is often the best solution, though it's one that often leaves you unsatisfied. You know, somebody cuts you off when you're about to make a, a, a left-hand turn and cuts into the lane and so on and so forth. The satisfying thing is, is to give the person the finger. And failing to do that and just waving the person on kind of leaves you with an empty feeling, but maybe for yourself and for the general state of society, the better course to take. And this isn't because it will change the asshole. It won't. Aaron James is the author of a 2012 book called Assholes, A Theory. He makes a strong argument that assholism is a permanent condition. They are the halfway point between murdering sociopaths and actual good people. He writes that a true asshole is, quote, immunized by his sense of entitlement against the complaints of others. And I thought that was a pretty good definition. But then I got this phone call from a listener named Andy who thought that assholes did have a needed place in society. I think they, they definitely have a strong place in society, speaking from the perspective of one. People who are friends with assholes tend to benefit from their uh, tendency to act with disregard to others' feelings or sensitivities if they feel they're in the wrong. And if you're friends with an asshole and you're on the meeker side of life, it's got to be pretty nice to have somebody that's going to stand up for you. 
And maybe he's right. Because when I look back when I was in middle school, I had a good friend who was an asshole. And when we are closest friends, I think I did benefit from being his friend because he was an asshole. At least until he got a friend that was a bigger asshole. Then the assholism started to get kind of out of control. So actually, I'm not entirely convinced of the long-term benefits of assholism. But it's an interesting point anyway. Thanks for the call, Andy. And thanks for listening to Very Bad Words. If you're new to the show, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're on iTunes or your podcast app, please take a moment and rate the show. This makes it much more likely others will find it, which will then help me continue to make new episodes. Thanks. Of course, I didn't do this show by myself, so I want to give special thanks to Jeff Nunberg and my old classmate, Billy Horn. Our executive producer is Jill Fincher, and I'm Matt Fiddler. See you next time. My biology teacher told me that we all started as an asshole. Before we had a mouth, we only had an asshole. We would eat through our ass, and we would shit through our ass. So we're all assholes. That's what my biology teacher said.